We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The win streak is over for the Chicago Bears. We're going to discuss the Week 15 loss at Cleveland. Another 10-plus point lead blown by Matt Abrafloos of Chicago Bears. Plus, preview a little bit of what's to come on Christmas Eve as the Bears host the Arizona Cardinals in a thrilling afternoon game. Um, hit my sarcasm. We'll break all that stuff down, give you the latest on what's going on at Hallis Hall. Before we do that, though, we need to bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, um, you were at the game on Sunday. You saw it all unfold. Um, first off, how cold was it? Second off, uh, what are your thoughts immediately just from the game and uh, being in Cleveland for, what, I guess the past couple of days, you said? Yeah, I was there for five days total. Um, honestly, man, like the and keep in mind, like I'm a California kid at nature, so I actually didn't think it was that bad. I mean, we we packed quite a few layers, and we layered up pretty well. There were like moments when it was a little chilly, but for the most part, it really wasn't that bad i was actually kind of surprised um honestly the worst thing about it was the rain and that lasted basically until right around halftime and then there was like one little flurry a little after and that was it and then of course the day that we fly home is when it actually snows and it was pretty cold but it was actually pretty cool and i know a lot of people listen to this like you're an idiot like you think snow is cool but when you live in california and then you live in texas like snow is kind of a rare occurrence so it was i don't know it, here's what i will say like and and I know that the, like the Joe Kim Noah thing happened a while ago, and like and, and I'm like I'm not saying Cleveland is better than Chicago because it's not, but I kind of felt like I was uh, like undersold Cleveland, man. I didn't really think it was that bad. I, I mean, I I know you've been a few times. Like it's a like to me, it was kind of cool just because it. You know, I live in you know Dallas Fort Worth. I live in a, in an area with eight and a half million people, and Chicago is about the same with the metro area. So it's like we live in very busy areas and then you go over to Cleveland and you're downtown and there's not crazy traffic. Like there's not a whole lot of craziness going on. There was a lot of really good food. We ate a lot of really good food, but I, it was kind of, it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of like Reno. They call it like, you know, the, the, the little big city or whatever it is. And that was kind of what Cleveland was to me. I actually, um, 
I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the trip. I don't I don't know if you have any commentary on Cleveland, but I know most most folks in Chicago do not like Cleveland. It, it it's not bad. Um, I guess there just wasn't enough for me to do there. That was my only kind of like gripe, and I probably didn't really explore a whole lot. Uh, I've been there two times. One time we were there for a night, like on the way on like a baseball trip. We stopped in there for about two nights to the casino. That was kind of fun. The bars were kind of fun. Um, I really don't go out to bars anymore. That was back when I was 23, 24. But I think last time we went was actually like the last time the Bears won in Cleveland. It was like 2013. Cold, um, rainy, snow. I think I just had a miserable time when the Bears won. But, um, yeah, it's not a terrible city. I, 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 I can't really rag on it too much. It was just, yeah, it was, like I said, it was different. I mean, they were, we kept relatively busy, but then again, my girlfriend's family's from there, so we were kind of bouncing all over the place, went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, that was really cool. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was really cool as well. So, I mean, we stayed, like, frankly, overly busy, if we're being completely honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the game was interesting for sure. Um, Browns fans are a lot more prideful than I would have assumed, and that's not a shot at them. I just I, – you, you would think – after as bad as they've been for so long that there wouldn't really be a lot of pride in the city, but there was um, pretty, pretty mellow overall, but no, you know, it, here's my thought on it, right. Is to me, it felt like once the bears got that first touchdown, it felt like they were pretty much in control. Obviously I know they went in the half tied at seven, but they came out in the second half looked really good. They had multiple chances to put that game away. It honestly, I mean, even sitting around, because I was around a bunch of Browns fans, and, you know, a lot of Browns fans, basically, they thought the game was over. You know, about halfway through the third quarter, I kept trying to tell people, I'm like, man, you very clearly haven't watched the Bears a whole lot because they are professionals at blowing leads like this. And as soon as they got that first field goal, I'm just sitting there thinking, I was like, here we go again. And I told my girlfriend, I'm like, they're going to blow this game. And, you know, it happened. And it's unfortunate because, yeah, and I've seen some arguments on Twitter about how, the defense didn't do their job when it mattered the most. And it's like, yeah, but they had three interceptions, one pick six, another interception at the one yard line that the bears still took. What was it like five or six plays to finally punch into the end zone with that Cole Komet touchdown at like the seven yard line. Like, I mean, dude, the offense really scored like three true points and you know, the defense had the three interceptions of four sacks, frankly dominated the majority of that game. And the offense couldn't do a damn thing, man. They were four for 18 on third down. They had more punts than they had first downs. Like, sorry, more drives than they had first downs. Like, just think about that. Like, they had more drives, like offensive drives, than they had first downs in the game. I mean, that's absolutely insane because they just didn't move the ball. And the offensive line looked bad. Luke Getze looked incompetent. I don't think, and I know that this has been hotly debated, I don't think Justin Fields looked good. Um, I, I don't think he was terrible, but I just there, – there was just – it's it's tough, too, because obviously, you know, the all-22 kind of tells you a little bit better uh, of what's going on. I sat right around, like, the 35-yard line um, in, the, in, like, the first level, but I was – actually, we got sat in the wheelchair area, which was fantastic for somebody who's 6'8", legroom, awesome. Um, but I mean, I had a pretty good view of, of the majority of the game and it just, I don't know, man, the offense is just out of sync. Um, I, I just, I continue to come back to, uh, the fact that, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Justin Fields, whether it's you want him gone or you think he should stay no matter what, 
I think that we can all agree at this point in time that Luke Getze and Justin Fields cannot coexist moving into next year. Like this just isn't going to work. And quite frankly, in a lot of ways, it feels like Luke Getze's offense has taken a massive step back. They're not even getting production out of the running backs anymore. I mean, it's like Roshan Johnson had that one big carry and then he averaged like 3.5 yards a carry after that. Deontay Foreman had six carries for negative six yards and Khalil Herbert has not been the same running back since he came back. I mean, it's just, frankly, right now, man, their defense is playing. Like if you look at the metrics over the last like four or five weeks, they're playing at a top five level and their offense is barely doing enough for them to go two and two in that stretch over these last four games. And it just seems crazy, man. Like they right now, frankly, they should be, they should be four and in their last four games. Like they, every single one of these games that they played in that they've won, and some people are going to use that as like a prop up to Matt Eberflus, but I'm looking at it on the other side where they had a two-game winning streak going into this. They had a prime opportunity to put themselves right back in the playoff picture, which is absolutely insane at 6-8, and eight, but they were going to be right there in the playoff picture. All they had to do was hold on, and they blew it again, man. This, this It's just the same thing over and over, and I won't lie. I drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid last week. I'm thinking, okay. Maybe they got things figured out. They wrapped up a few games that, you know, they're figuring things out and then right back to the same old thing. Yeah, you know, for me, it's a game that should have been over. Like, it's a game that the Bears defense dominated for three quarters. But that was also the case against Denver. That was also the case against Detroit. Those are three games the Bears had 10-plus point leads in in the fourth quarter. Couldn't close it out. Whether you want to put the blame on the defense, the offense – Coaching, it's everything, man. Like, yeah, it's fine. You know, the offense played okay. I didn't like, I, I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying this is a plus game for Justin Fields in the offense. I don't think so, man. Like, you look at it, they scored what 17 total points. Seven of those points pretty much came on, on the pick six with um, Shermaine Edmonds. They got the ball down to the water on Eddie Jackson interception, which probably should have been a pick six. They almost screwed that up and didn't score. And then they got a field goal off of another takeaway. So, like, they didn't play well at all. They didn't execute at the end. Um, it's not all Justin Fields' fault. You know, Darnell Mooney missed a key block uh, on a fourth down play. Um, I don't know your vantage point of it. I still think Fields could have thrown that ball, even though the guy was chasing after him. I, I, I won't put that as a red mark next to Fields. That play was probably going for a touchdown anyway. But, like, the play calling was was pretty bad. Asking certain players to block certain players was not good. Um, I think it was an end around on, like, a third in inches that got stuffed. Um, you know, not being on the same page. Speaking of that, man, I've never seen two players who we heard all offseason last year how much chemistry they had working out together in Hallis Hall, working out at their houses – Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields, man, they are just not even close to being on the same page. And I think it's not only frustrating Justin, but if you watch, I don't know if you've gone back and my room is going off now. Um, I don't know if you've gone back and like watched the actual game tape, but like after that play in the end zone um, that Justin Fields missed uh, Darnell Mooney, Mooney was like pretty upset. Not the Hail Mary, but Mooney was pretty upset. Um, I like the out route. And, you know, you can see the frustrations are, are, are starting to hit him. And it's just like this is another game again. Like the defense couldn't hold him off at the end. Joe Flacco complained that miraculous, like hell of a throw to Amari Cooper. 
But then he rumbles, you know, an extra 30 yards down for a touchdown because not only can Terrell Smith not pick it off, no one can tackle him. Jaquan Brisker doesn't hit him. And to me, that's actually a play that I really spotlighted a lot during the game and after my writing. The Bears are going with this rotation of Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith, and I understand that. Tyreek Stevenson was by far the best defensive back besides Jalen Johnson on the field for the Bears that game. Why in a keep drive like that? Why are we doing this rotation stuff? Like, did, uh, enough of this. Nothing against Terrell Smith, but you need your best players in the game. And to me, a lot of this is coaching. A lot of this is personnel, um, play calling, all that stuff. It, it's just an ultimate failure, and I think it it's really going to signal the end of Matty Rufus. You can't lose three games of 10-plus point leads like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I mean, team, like, they, they are tied for the most blown 10-point leads uh, going in the fourth quarter in the history of the NFL. I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea. And kind of going back to Darnell Mooney for a minute, you know, the connection with him and Justin Fields. Yeah, I think it's it's honestly crazy to me, man. I mean, like, in, in, and I'm going to preface this by saying I love Darnell Mooney. I really wish that things would have worked out better for him in Chicago because he had the one really good year in 2021. It felt like he was on the right path moving forward and things just have not gone well for him since but it's it's one of those things where it's like there's just so many mistakes from him going on right now i'm not saying uh, and i'm not saying that fields has been perfect at all because obviously fields physically and mentally yeah and that's the thing is like physically and mentally it's like you know the the slip out of the break um where it was almost an interception i mean dude he was he had two catches and he was targeted eight times like if you if you look at his numbers i mean through 14 games he's got 29 receptions he's been targeted 57 times that's a 52 percent success rate throwing to a receiver that's absolutely insane how how much would you say is is and i'm, I'm curious because i really don't have I, I one way or the other how much would you say that stat like how much of those balls were on fields and how much would you think would be on money if you were to like kind of spitball it or, or you know ball honestly it. i would guess like 60 40 on mooney i mean yeah because that's the problem is like he hasn't really been that good of a route runner this year. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing is like, it, it, I, I don't know if it was the the ankle surgery from last year, what the deal is, but it's like, they're just, they're just off, man. I mean, this, this offense, this passing offense is basically DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Like 
Tyler Scott will have that one catch a game and he'll usually have that one drop a game. Darnell Mooney is good for, you know, two or three catches a game, but he's also going to be targeted seven or eight times. And God only knows how many of those that he's actually going to catch. It's just it. And that's the thing is like in, you know, we talk about Mooney and we talk about fields, but it's like some of this to me is on Getsy as well, because it doesn't really feel like Getsy is using him properly. I mean, if you, I mean, just look at, I mean, obviously he had the injury last year. I think he played, what was he at? 12 games last year. So he had the injury last year. So through 16, you know, what, sorry, not 16, 26 games, right? He's got, let's see, uh, doing the math here, 69 catches for four, actually looks like 902 yards now. Yeah, so, so yeah, so basically 902 yards. He's still in the com- uh, combined three touchdowns. He's still through 26 games since 2021 has yet to eclipse his numbers from 2021 when he had 81 receptions, uh, 1,055 yards, and four touchdowns. Like it's it, the, the drop off with Getze as offensive coordinator. And God only knows how much that actually means. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you look at the numbers before, you look at the numbers after, like, Something's going on there, but it's just, and that's kind of the problem with this offense right now, though, is that it's, 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 you basically have two targets that are consistently available and open and reliable, and then you have no running game. Like it's, and that's the problem. Like the pass walking has gone in the toilet since David Walker was what I don't, I don't even know like what they ended up basically fired. I don't, I mean, that's pretty much the way it was put dismissed, whatever, uh, the running backs coach, and it's like that's gone completely downhill. I mean, they're not. I mean, if you look at the majority of like, if, if you look at the team rushing stats, like per game, they're still within the top like seven or eight in the league. But a lot of that rushing production has come from Justin Fields. It's like, and that's kind of the thing. It feels like in the beginning they had an idea what they wanted to do was Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, and then obviously Herbert got hurt, and then Johnson got hurt, and then Deontay Foreman was really good. But ever since Herbert's come back. Foreman hasn't been the same runner. Then it doesn't really seem like they trust Khalil Herbert all that much. And frankly, I don't really blame him because he doesn't look like the same guy. It's, it doesn't really seem like he's healthy. And then Roshan Johnson, even his pass blocking hasn't been nearly as good as what it was at Texas. So it's like, but it's one of those things like he's still been their most productive runner. So I, I don't, I just, I, you look at this offense and it's like, dude, what in the hell is happening right now? They had that, the fourth and one play where, I would say nine out of 10 times Justin Fields gets around uh, the defensive back on that play. And of course, you know, in the one time where it's a fourth and one situation where frankly, if he converts that first down, they probably get points out of that and they probably grind more clock and they probably win the game. Right. Or even what was it? The other fourth down where they ran the, the, the stupid end around with Tyler Scott and nobody blocked on the edge. And he just basically got plastered for like a four yard loss. It, I don't know. Again, like, to me, watching that game and then going back and re-watching it, it felt like the Browns knew what the Bears were going to do on, I would say, 80% of the time. And it's like, and again, like you go back to that and it's like, yeah, Justin Fields didn't play very well. I I, I would probably say like, in a, you know, like if you're grading it, I'd say like a D plus, D, D plus. But it's like at the same time, like you, when you're looking at the play calling and everything else that's going on right now, and just frankly, the failure on the personnel side, whether it's, you know, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, the running backs not doing their job, pass protection, the offensive line got beat the hell up. Tevin Jenkins is out right now with a concussion. Like when you start combining all that together, it's like, I mean, 
how successful is Justin Fields going to be in the situation? It just seems like every single time we start to think, okay, we could finally get a clear evaluation. We could finally, no excuses, no excuses. And it's like, but the reality of it is, is every week it seems like we're looking back being like, he didn't do enough, but he didn't have enough help. Yeah, we got three games left in the season, man. Like it just, it seems like an incomplete evaluation right now is probably going to be an answer in the negative direction. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I, with how, where I'm at on this is, I mean, I, I think, you know, the win over Detroit to me didn't, in my eyes, didn't move the needle one way or the other in terms of like, you know, blowing it all up or taining flus. I think this loss moved the needle towards, yeah, let's blow it all up. Um, at the very least, like Luke gets, he's probably not coming back. Um, I just, I, I don't see, like, I honestly don't see the path for Eberflus coming back unless they have already told him, you know, hey, don't worry about your job, safe, which very, very well could be possible. Um, do I think that's the case? No. I just, everything you're saying, man, it's like you watch this offense. It's like, yeah, they put up 17 points. It's the best defense of the NFL. And props to them because they did look like the better team for, for the three quarters. But at the same time, like, you can't lose games like this. Like, you again, like Detroit, Denver, the run game is non-existent. They don't know what they're doing with Dante Foreman and Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert. They don't, like, there's no plan. The offense is never consistent enough. And I just think that right there you have to, you know, kind of move on. And I, I think the damning thing about this all is, Really, man, like this is one of the first times we've heard players question a call because at third and 15, dropping Justin Jones into coverage, I, I have no clue. And it, it, to me, it goes to your know your personnel, know who's on the field, know the situation. Like I mentioned, the Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith thing. Like this is another good example of that. Why is Justin Jones dropping in coverage? It's third and 15. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, and they and they sent, and this, this is my confusion on that play. They sent six guys, right? Yeah. Why are you sending, I think it was, it ended up being three DBs or a, a linebacker and two DBs and then dropping Justin Jones. and the Like, what it is was, the logic behind that? Yeah, it was Jones and, was it like Edmonds or Edwards in coverage? I think so, but that's the thing. It's like, why, like... Under and, what circumstance, like why, I understand what Eberflus said, and he said basically if it gets home, then we're not talking about this, but since it didn't get home. But it's like, why are you dropping a 320-pound lineman into coverage on a third and 15 if you're rushing six guys? Why isn't he one of those six guys? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the thing, too, with that is, like, watching that game, man, Montez Sweat was having a big day. Justin Jones was getting pressure up front. Trevon Dexter was getting pressure. Like, they were getting pressure without blitzing. And they decide to call that. It's like, 
Well, and they played, I, and they played an offensive line after they lost Joe Batonio that didn't have oh, a. Yeah. They had one starting offensive lineman from week one on that line for the majority of the game. It's like what I mean, are we? What what coaching, is going man. on? It's coaching. Well, and speaking of coaching, I'm curious on on your take on this. It to me again, just my take. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm wanting to read too much into it. But to me, it feels like the last two times that that Matt Eberflus has got in front of a mic. He's done everything but endorse Luke, Luke Getzey. Yeah. Like, to me, it seems like he's starting to kind of like put the put the arm out a little bit and like realizing like, hey, we're getting these last few games. Things aren't just, working. My defense is playing well. Like it to me, it seems like this is kind of his last ditch effort to be like, okay, well, it was it, you know the offense was the problem. My defense was good enough, so I should be able to keep my job. I agree. The defense is playing well. They're a top run defense. This is now. It's not 1995. You know what I mean? Like, I will give them the credit. They're getting interceptions. They're getting takeaways. They're getting sacks. They're playing a lot better, the defense. <clears throat> However, that's not going to matter because they're not going to go to the playoffs. And if the defense was playing better in, in three key games and didn't blow the lead, they'd be going to the playoffs. So, like, you can literally make the argument that those three losses probably cost Matty Rufus' job if he's fired. Like, we're talking about what are they – They'd be eight and six right now. Mm, yeah. If they yeah, won those three games. Yeah. I think so. I think that sounds about right. I mean, yeah. not, not to mention, like, I, I will say, you know, because what was it? Was it week two with the Allen Williams thing? Like two or three? Yes. I think it was week two. So after as, week two, I think. Yeah. So as, as embarrassing as it was to come out flat against Green Bay, maybe the Allen Williams thing was going on like during that and we just we'll never know how much of an impact I'll make still like you can't do that to Jordan Love and and Jordan Love whatever props to him he's played well as of late but he's also played bad as of late too that can't happen I I just I don't know man I think there's more negatives on Matty Rufus's resume that are not just wins and losses than there are positives um but again like I said man like I mean I, I think the chances of this are slim but like, we don't know. Ryan Poles could have just walked into his office one day and said, look, Matt, you're safe. Like, we see the turnaround with this defense. Don't worry about these final four, five, six games. Get a win. Um, you know, get a signature win, which is Detroit right now. But it's also at the same time you're, like, looking at it and you're like, man, Joe Flack. Like, you just let Joe Flacco do that to you. And, yeah. Well, and, well my, my thing is, is, like, we can continue, and I tweeted about this earlier. We can continue to give Matty Eberflus all the credit in the world for the defensive turnaround. Yes, they played some pretty bad offenses, but they, they, I mean, dude, like in terms of numbers over the last like five, six weeks, I mean, they have been a top five defense by almost every metric. I mean, they have 12 interceptions over the last five games. Like they have been playing at an extremely high level, but Matty Eberflus is the head coach not the defensive coordinator, the head coach of the football team. And as the head coach of the football team, you are responsible for hiring Allen Williams. You're responsible for hiring David Walker, the running backs coach. You know, you're responsible for hiring Luke Getze and not firing him. And that's the thing that I keep going back to. Like you want to like the, the two coaches that got dismissed or whatever the hell it was, whatever you know for the for the stuff that happened outside of the football field you know whatever whatever the case may be there that's fine like if you want to throw that out that's that's well and fine go back to the Detroit Lions 
when everything started under Dan Campbell and go back and you look and right out of the gate, they got through one year with that offense. And he said, Anthony Lynn, I know you were really highly regarded coming in here. This ain't going to work. You're gone. Throw Ben Johnson in there. Right. Ben Johnson was a holdover. Keep in mind, this is Ben Johnson was not somebody that was that, that uh, Dan Campbell originally brought in hands the offense over to, to, to Ben Johnson Jared Goff has this crazy, you know, just just everything turns around. Their offense has been awesome, right? Same thing last year. They start having issues on the defense side of the ball. What does he do? He goes out, he fires a secondary and, and passing game coordinator on the defense side of the ball. He identified the issues, realized that they that it wasn't working, that they needed to get better, and he made a move. And the Bears have done none of that. Out like from a football standpoint, they've done absolutely none of that. So it's like it's one of these things where it's like we can laud Matt Eberflus, the defensive mind and the defensive coordinator. He's doing a really good job of running the defense. Defensive coordinators are also a hell of a lot easier to find and keep than offensive coordinators are. Just you know, obviously we know that. But but when you look at Matt Eberflus, the head coach, I think the only redeeming quality that he has as the head coach is the fact that he's kept this locker room together, which he absolutely deserves credit for. But again, this is a win-loss business. Does it really matter how good the locker room is if you blow three 10-point leads in the fourth quarter in one season on top of? And again, like we're just focusing on the stuff that, it's, that, that just kind of comes to mind. They got blown out by Green Bay in week one. They get blown out in week two. Oh, wait, they get blown out nationally embarrassed in week three. Then they blow a 21-point lead in week four, and they start off 0-4. So it's like it's one of those situations where, like, we can laud Matt Eberflus for the defense to turn around. We can laud the team to say, hey, very clearly an improved team, uh, very clearly headed in the right direction, while also acknowledging the fact that they got off to an 0-4 start, and now they're 5-9. and So they're 5-5 and over the last – you know, over the last 10 games. So it's like, okay, yes, that's an improvement. But when you add the context into what happened in the beginning of the year, you add the context into the fact that, again, like we're not talking about toss-up games. We're not sitting here saying like, well, they kept it close and they probably should have won, like the Minnesota game when they lost 18 to 12. Like we're not sitting here saying like the toss-up games are games that we're just going to count as wins. We're talking about three games that they had 10 plus point leads in going into the fourth quarter and absolutely dominating those games. And they blew every single one of those games. Like this is far beyond a toss up game. These are games that they absolutely 100% should have won. And like you said, they'd be eight and six. They'd be in the driver's seat for the playoffs. We're probably not having this conversation about Justin Fields because frankly, I think the perception would be different. I think things probably would go a little bit different. I think the confidence level would be different. But yet here we are sitting in a situation where we're talking about a five and nine football team that finally got back in the playoff race last week. And the first thing that they go out and do after a two game winning streak is they go out and they blow a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter to a team that is on their fourth quarterback that had all but one offensive line starter out that had multiple players on the defensive side of the ball out. And they blew a 10 point lead to lose yet another game. So it's like, it, it's one of those things where we can laud Matt Eberflus, a defensive mind and the defensive coordinator while also realizing that in the, in the reality of it, when you look at these last five games, I would say, you know, if you rank them from importance from one to five, uh, I would probably go green Bay, Detroit, Cleveland. Um, I'd say Atlanta and then Arizona, just cause Arizona is pretty bad. And you know, that's who they play this week. 
But like when you start looking at the quality of wins that they have, if they lose a game against Cleveland and they lose a game against Green Bay, does it really much matter if they win these next two games? If they beat Arizona and they beat Atlanta, neither team is good. And then they go in in week 18 and they lose to the Packers when the, when the, when it's already over with. Does it really matter at that point? That's where I'm at with it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, man, it's just, I, I honestly, I just think it's all going to be blown up. I, the discourse on Twitter is just, it's insane to me. Like we got to stop asking players about DJ or no, DJ Morrow's a player. We got to stop asking players about Caleb Williams or Justin Fields we have to stop taking every quote that an opposing coach says about Justin Fields and saying, here, look, hey, this is what this coach thinks of Justin Fields, and you guys don't want him here. Coaches are not going to trash the opposing team's players. Like, it's just, we got to stop this stuff, man. Like, I, I like Justin Fields. I wish it worked out here. Um, I do agree. Like, if the Bears don't have the number one pick or number two pick, I don't think we're talking about this as a quarterback. I think they'd take their chances on Justin Fields in year four on a rookie deal and then wait for the next class. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to get one and they're going to take a quarterback. That's just my personal opinion, but it's man, it, it sucks. It's like, dude, like you shared it. Like how bad do you want Mike McDaniel as the head coach of the bears? Like that's hard knock, dude. Like it's, it's night and day from what, like we hear at house hall. And it's like, I don't know. And maybe like they're doing it behind the scenes at house hall. I doubt it, but it's just like, they, I, I, I think they messed up, man. I think they, they did not get the right guys in here. And well, they have a type, man. It's like the Bears, if the Bears were in the dating scene, like they'd have a type. It's that super yes. conservative, respectful guy that doesn't rock any boats, that doesn't say anything crazy. And it's like, but if you look at like all the good hires that have happened lately, like Sean McVay, Mike McDaniels, like all of the the really good hires, and there are quirky ones that haven't worked out, like Brandon Staley. But for the most part, they're their own people, and that doesn't fit what the Bears have done. Yeah, and and Mike McDaniel is a per- the Bears didn't even get him in the build. They showed no interest, and it's crazy. But you know, we're going here. We're, week sixteen, I believe it is. Yeah, it's I mean, whole calendar. That's crazy off. to say. Week sixteen. We yeah. got three. We got three more of these left. Like we have three more podcasts talking about like actual football games that are going to happen before we go into a nine or well, I guess eight months. Cause we can count yeah. the preseason eight months worth of stuff where it's going to be an active off season, but after a while it gets old, man. Yeah. And it's, it's like in these games, man, like the biggest thing we're going to be talking about is how this impacts the standings because the bears currently hold number one via Carolina who, who beat the Falcons in, in, in that game on Sunday, they have two wins. New England has three. Arizona has three. Washington's there at four. The Bears are there then at five with five wins. I mean, this is a big game, man, because, like, I don't think Carolina's going to win another game. Um, I don't think New England's going to win another game. I got. I don't know who Arizona has. Um, it's a winnable game for Arizona this week. But Wait, did you just say you don't think New England's going to win another game? Uh, I don't. I think the only game that New England can win is the Jets. See, I think – 
it, call me crazy. Maybe I'm just being. I don't think at this point. Buffalo. Uh, see, I think they can beat Denver though. Denver's kind um, of the point boss, man. Yeah, but Denver has something to play for though. Right? Yeah, like I mean, well, they still... do, but I mean, New England's been playing. The problem is, it's like the same thing with Arizona. Like Arizona has the one, like each each team had the one week against Pittsburgh. Like Arizona's yeah. basically a coin toss, and New England's been playing. At least they're they're finally scoring points again. I mean, I think yeah, what we've I, learned. That's true. I think I think what we've learned though, even this last week, and I didn't get a chance to watch the game, obviously because I was at the Bears game. But like every week, there's going to be that one surprise, like. I, I mean, I, I don't think many people had Atlanta losing and scoring seven points against Carolina. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. So, one, don't well, count your chickens. They kind of stink, too, I think. Well, they do. They do. I mean, but uh, I, I don't know who I'd pick, you know, with them and the Bears. I mean, probably the Bears, but I don't know, man. It's just – it's a really – that's kind of the thing. And I, I put this out earlier where it's like the Bears can lock up a top-two pick this weekend. If yeah. Carolina loses – and uh, the Arizona Patriots – sorry, if, if Arizona wins, and then as crazy as it sounds, somebody it was like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And if Washington wins, which Washington plays the Jets this weekend, which is a very winnable game, that locks up a top-two pick um, because obviously you have to have – like Washington's only two games back, and their strength of schedule is actually the best out of all of these teams behind them. Um, so if Washington wins, if the the Panthers lose, and then if the uh, if the Cardinals beat the Bears, that locks up a top two pick for the Bears. So here well, we go. Well, the other thing is like, even if the Bears get number two, man, like I don't think that means they're going to keep Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Like, it I, definitely. I think, I think it adjusts the calculus, but I agree. I yeah, I think it it it, it it's a there is a better chance of them keeping Justin Fields at number two than number one. But I still think what they'd pull the trigger on a quarterback at, at, at two. And, you know, I mean, hey, they might surprise us. They fall to two or three and then pull a trigger on Jane Daniels at five or whatever. You know what I mean? Something like that. I I, 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 I think they should take a quarterback. And I, and I look at it. You're right. I mean, I guess, like, I think New England could beat the Jets. Potentially Den- – I still think Denver is a better team. Um, where is – I don't even know where that game's at. It's probably Denver, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's at Denver. Guys, it's at Sunday night, Christmas Eve. It's a a disgusting schedule this week again. Besides the big game, uh, Baltimore and what, the 49ers? Or the the primetime game? I think, well, it's funny because the Thursday night game is actually the Saints and Rams. And like, if you're looking ahead to, let's just say week 18, for example, for in like rooting interest or whatever, you want new Orleans to win this week, but you absolutely want new Orleans to beat Tampa Bay next weekend. Cause if they yeah. beat Tampa Bay next weekend, then it's a guarantee that Tampa Bay is going to have to play their starters in week 18 against the Panthers. <laughs> but that's where yeah. we're at. That's crazy. Like we went from, I don't know, maybe you didn't, but I went from like lightly looking at playoff scenarios being like, if they beat the Browns and I'll really get into it, to right back to the draft stuff where I went in and basically used the New York Times uh, playoff predictor thing. You can also do the number one pick and went through and literally created the chart for each, like for the last three weeks for the Panthers winning week 16 or week 17 or week 18, assuming that they win one more game and they end up being tied with, with New England and running all the scenarios. Like it's like, it's to that point to figure out like what, you know, what are we really looking at here? Because it's like if, if they're not, if the Bears aren't going to be in the playoffs, and this, this is more my mindset's at, maybe this is cynical. If the Bears aren't going to be in the playoffs, I don't, I, I don't want them to win games. It doesn't, it doesn't help the situation 
for them to win games at this point, because I think the last thing that they can afford to do is run this thing back with this coaching staff. I just, I think that that is an absolute worst case scenario. Um, and I think that now that they're, they're done, like it, they might as well, they might as well lose at least two out of these last three, if not all three, in my personal opinion, because it's, it's better for the future. I know that's going to upset some people and that's not the objective of being a, you know, sports fan of a certain team, but at the same time, it, it winning does them no good at this point. Yeah, and, and technically, like they're they're not eliminated, but they're all but eliminated. Like it, it it's very. They had a seven percent chance very, going into last week if they won out. Like and they, even it's if, over. and if they win out now, it's I was going through this. It's like it's still like six percent chance if they win out because they yeah, need so much to happen. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's just not. and yeah, it's just a shame, man. But like we have to, you know we have to follow the. The, the draft because you know the Bears have a chance to have the number one pick again and make another franchise altering decision. Um, in terms of the game, Aaron, uh, what's your prediction? Maybe an X factor for this uh, thrilling Christmas Eve game? Oh yeah, I, and, <laughs> and I know you pointed it out earlier, but what the hell, man? Like why? Dude, why dude, is this a why is this the late noon game? It's uh, the only thing I could think of, and I was going through this because a lot of people were like like complaining that the Bears got the like D crew for Fox last week. Well, that was because they were one of the all, like they were one of the five games or six games that were, could have been slotted into Saturday on NFL Network. Yeah. So they already gave the other crews the assignments. This, I believe, it's still the same crew. It's still yeah, but, it's still uh, Mark Sanchez. Yes. On the call, yes. Which, oh this this I think is three twenty five because the network thing. I think. Because, like, if you look at the other games, like Saturday, the Bills, Chargers, that's obviously NFL Network, all that stuff. But, like, Colts, Falcons, that's interconference. So I think that kind of screws with it. Same with Commanders and Jets, um, Seahawks and Titans, Jaguars and Buccaneers, Dolphins, Cowboys. Those are all, like, interconference. You know, they're, they're you know. So I think that's why they did. Because you look at the other games, like Lions-Vikings is a great noon game. Packers, Panthers, I guess could have been. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I've had a lot of issues remembering <laughs> the schedule, like who they play, when they play, all that stuff, until it gets to that week. And I looked, <laughs> and I looked. I think it was like Monday or maybe Sunday night or Monday, and I'm looking at them like, what the hell are they doing playing at three twenty-five? Like yeah. nobody wants to watch this game. And honestly, man, the the last like three or four weeks, the the late games have been terrible. Like they're they're not yeah. competitive, they're not good matchups, and here we go again. So well, I mean, dude, Cowboys and Bills last week should have been a great night game or like a great afternoon game. It was a stinker, but like we get Cowboys Dolphins this week, but then you look at Christmas Day. I guess you know Patriots Broncos is a little intriguing on Sunday night just because there's obviously from our perspective, you know the the Broncos trying to be a playoff team, the Patriots need to win a game. Like the Christmas Day schedule sucks, man. Besides that, Ravens 49ers. like. It's Raiders Chiefs. I guess that's a little more compelling. Like Giants Eagles, that's gonna be a blowout. Maybe. I mean, with the way the Eagles have been playing lately, I don't think anything's gonna be. Yeah, but I still think they're way better terrible. than the Giants. Like the Giants, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean that that whole Tommy DeVito thing was fun, but whew. yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, if you really watch him play quarterback, it really like it's been cool. But kind of like Tyson Bajan, right? Like it's been cool, but it really hasn't been that impressive. Like if you yeah. really watch the games, like he hasn't like even in that Green Bay game, it's like he didn't really do a whole lot outside of that last drive of the game. 
Yeah, but whatever. It is what it is. I mean, we're talking terrible football, and here we are having to watch a terrible <laughs> football game on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I I don't know, man. I, I'm going. I I just I'm just gonna go with what I sent you and what will come out on Friday or whatever. Uh, I went Bears twenty seven, Cardinals twenty three. I dude, I I don't even know at this point. I don't know if I'm like reverse jinxing. I don't know. Like like part of me honestly believes like they're gonna win these next two games. And then we're going to go like heading into week 18 and like running scenarios back where if the Bears had just beat the Browns in week 15, like they'd actually be in the playoff race with a win. They would have, you know, made it to the playoffs. Like there's just something that tells me that the Bears are going to have like one last little stupid stab uh, to the heart for fans, you know, as they end the season. So I don't really have a good explanation for you. Here's the thing. Cardinals defense is terrible. The Bears' offense is terrible. Um, I I tend to believe that the Bears have more talent on offense than the Cardinals do on defense, so I think that that's going to be a win for them uh, in, in terms of that battle. And I think, you know, defensively, the Bears are playing really good football. And, frankly, uh, Kyler Murray has been either really good or really bad. So I tend to think if they can keep him in the pocket that they can win the game. And that's kind of going to be my X factor is, you know, you got to win in the trenches, man, like, they, they did a pretty good job of that uh, over the last few weeks. Obviously, that did not happen very well at all, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they need to do that well on both sides. I mean, I think you got to get pressure on Kyler Murray, shut down the run game, force him into some, some mistakes. And then offensively, dude, Arizona is terrible against the run. Like, get the run game going. Like, if Justin Fields throws for 150 or 200 yards, I don't care. Get the run game going. Do something like you, you've got to figure something out, man, because I tell you what, if this offense does the same thing that they've done, you know, a few times, this, you know, over the last few weeks and they can't, you know, get above 20 points against this defense, there's some serious issues. So, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. one in the trenches is my X factor and 27, 23 bears, although I have zero confidence in that. that <laughs> it is what it is. I, I think the bears are going to win too. I, I think it's going to be like 20, I'll say 24, 20 bears. Um just one of those games, like one of those holiday games. I think the Bears are going to win. I, I, I'm going to go. Max Factor should be Justin Fields. Still a big three, final three games for him, in my opinion. Um, and just to see what he can do and, and what they have um, moving forward. You know, it's it's a one of those weird late afternoon games. Um, but yeah, man. It, I, it just, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 just not that exciting right now. But. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to go Bears. What I say, 23? No, I said, what, 23, 17 or something like that? Yeah, I'll go 23, yeah, 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're almost done, man. It's crazy. It is. It's kind of kind of, uh, kind of, of a bummer. I think it's funny because I, I think – I did you have them at 6 and six and 11 or 7 and 10? I can't remember. Uh, I think around there, like 6 or 7. Yeah, because I had I was originally going to go seven and ten, and then at the last minute had a little too much Kool Aid and went uh, went eight and nine there. But it's funny because they could realistically very easily finish at seven and ten, and I think that yeah. a lot of fans, like if you said, "Yeah, the Bears are going to finish at seven and ten with no other context," would have been like, "Okay, cool, that's really good progress." But I think the way this year's played out, we don't really have any more clear answer on Justin Fields. Uh, the coaching staff is, it turns out that they may have not actually been tanking last year. They may have just made really dumb decisions way too often. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, man, it, whatever, I guess I'm, I'm getting really tired of, of 
like having to talk about the draft in, in October and like having to like watch, you know, tank a thon like a hawk every week. Like it'd be really cool if the Bears are just good again and we could like, you know, be excited about them in the playoff race and talking about potential playoff matchups and all the all the fun stuff that it's supposed to be when you're a sports fan. But you know, if you're a Chicago sports fan, you don't get any of that. There's no fun involved with sports. So yeah, I don't know, man. I guess that's uh, yeah. I guess that's it. It's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to do one last week. I know, um, you know, but it, it is what it is because that would have probably been the most optimistic one since uh, before week one. But here right, we <laughs> right, um, yeah, man. We'll talk next week. I hope you have a uh, good holiday. I hope all of our listeners have Merry Christmas, good holidays, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, where can we follow you on Twitter at Aaron? And where can we read your work? I could keep forgetting that Christmas is on Monday. So yeah, we won't do another one of these before Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work on the bear Also, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach Z a C K underscore Pearson. You can follow the bear report on Twitter at just bear report. Please rate review, subscribe on major podcasting platforms until next time. Everyone, please stay safe. Please stay healthy and have happy holidays.